Hello, all you beautiful people. This is Optimistically Depressed, and I am your host, Ruth McMullen. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Um, Each one of you listening, really, it makes a huge difference, and I really appreciate it. And, you know, with all, like, as uh, Todd had pointed out on one of our, one of my previous podcasts, um... There are so many uh, there are so many options out there for us to consume, for us to listen to, and the fact that you're choosing to listen to my podcast is amazing, and I appreciate it. So thank you for your time. Um, I hope that this month has been good for you. It is kind of like it feels like January has lasted a while, and I've been seeing posts from people saying the same thing. So I know I'm not alone. However, we're almost there. It is almost February. I, I, um, you know, January, yeah, it's kind of a tough month. You know, you have, um, it's after Christmas, it's after New Year, all that excitement is dying down. Everyone's kind of tired. People generally do get sick. Our household has been pretty much sick for this whole, this whole month. I'm still getting over bronchitis. And, um, and you know, you're kind of, you're inside more, it's dark early and all that kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's hard, you know, it's difficult to kind of make your way through that. Um, the other night, uh, Sean and I were out in the hot tub. Yes, we're really lucky we have a hot tub. And we were talking about how much we were looking forward to the spring and having bonfires outside and friends over and all that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, like it occurred to us that, you know, you can have a bonfire outside in the winter like in fact that's probably one of the best times to do it you don't have to worry about mosquitoes or black flies and it's colder so the fire feels so much nice and like warmer and it's like you know a fun little thing to look forward to and do with your kids and whatever so we had one the next night we had a bonfire the next night and it was so great um we the boys didn't really partake in that they instead played in the hot tub but that's cool our daughter came and we cooked some hot dogs over the fire and she her and I had some really great bonding time and it was really nice and then it was kind of like oh yeah this is the kind of stuff I really like doing in the winter I remember doing that kind of stuff as the kid and it was I like it's like kind of like we had lots of activities that we did in the winter and I kind of think that's why I really liked the winter growing up And it's like, I need to remind myself of all these things that I actually really enjoy about winter. And that's one of them. So that's great. And you know, another really cool thing, you get to like go into the woods and wander around and you don't have to worry so much about like ticks. Although I was talking with someone who recently found a tick on their dog. So those things are freaking resilient. Um, But you don't have to worry about spiders and that kind of thing, which um, most of you probably know about my like really like irrational fear of spiders for being living in Canada um but you don't have to worry about the kind of stuff in the winter because you know they're I don't want to think about what they're doing right now but they're not around me not around me anyway so that's nice um and speaking about spending time outside I actually got to do a podcast with Brett she talked a lot about um outdoor therapy And she talks about just how she gets outside every day and that really helps her with dealing with anxiety and depression. And she just has like a lot of really um, good ideas and just like the way that she talks about the joys of being outdoors, it kind of like reignited that passion that I have about it because I mean, I haven't been out a lot because I've been sick, but um, it was kind of like, oh yeah, there there are still so many really great things to do outside, even in the winter. And it is so important for our mental health to just get outside. Um, So it was really inspiring listening to her talk about this. And she's so kind and just really, really nice and easy to talk to. I really enjoyed hanging out with her and learning more of her perspective on just the benefits of being outside going for walks and and that kind of thing so um, I'm really excited to be able to share with all of you the conversation that I got to have with Brett and uh, yeah just enjoy Brett's so great you'll love her and uh, I'll be talking to you soon
doing pretty good. How are you? I am good. Um, recovering from bronchitis. Yes. So, we were talking earlier. You're saying that you have we're into a new year. You're starting to do some of the things you'd set out to do this new year. In this new year, one of them being a blog. Yes. Yeah. So, do you mind telling us this time <laughs> what the blog is about and the name? Plug it. Do it all. Okay. So it's just brettkhartland.com. And um, I named it that so I could, because I changed my mind a lot. So I'm hoping I can kind of settle on a certain theme. But right now I've um, I'm been doing a bit on gardening. And then I'll also touch on mindfulness and like forest therapy and nature as well. So yeah. Forest therapy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about that. Um, so for me, forest therapy... Um, it's just kind of not just walking through the woods. It's more of an immersive, um, experience. So instead of like going for a hike, which I do, I kind of just intuitively follow off trail sometimes. And I'll do a lot of, uh, working with my senses. So, um, I'll take a moment of pause and, and go through each of my senses, check in and, um, you know, listen pick out sounds from different spaces, like where the sound is coming from certain trees, the wind, like just different things and really connecting. So really immersing myself in the forest. And uh, yeah, it's a great tool. (laughs) I use it all the time. So it's kind of like a mix of like mindfulness training. Mindfulness, meditation, I guess more mindfulness than meditation and just, um, yeah, really connecting with like a wild space which is, for me, um, really important in my life. Like, it's a big part of who I am. So whenever I feel really overwhelmed or, like, I can't handle anything, that's usually uh, just going outside, and that's kind of where I start to feel a little better. Okay. I love going for walks in the forest. A couple years ago, I got Lyme disease, and since then Mm -hmm. I have been a little bit more squeamish about going out because, you know, ticks. So... Um, but that must be something that you're not really thinking about. Oh, I definitely think about it for sure. Um, I live quite a ways outside of the city. I'm in the middle of legitimately nowhere. Um, I like, I'm on a back road. There's very few neighbors. Um, and I live on a like 36 acre property that I walk all the time. Lyme disease is definitely more of an issue now in my community than it ever was. We have more and more people that are getting Lyme disease. We see more ticks now than we ever have, like, compared to when I was growing up. So it's definitely something uh, that I think about, but I just um, uh, use caution and continually check myself for ticks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and so you're just kind of like, all right, whatever, it's part of my life. I'm going to be careful and smart about this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I check my dog, I, I check myself. So, And I'm always, like... I go off by myself all the time into the woods and I have to, I like, you know, squeeze through trees that are close together and, you know, whatever. I'm always, I'm always in a place that there probably could be ticks. So, yeah. I mean, last year I probably pulled, well, I pulled, oh gosh, 80 or 90 off my dog probably in the year. Uh And, um, One of them, she walked through a nest, so she had like 40-some on her at one time. Ah! The poor thing, it was terrible. They started to embed before we could get them all. Off, but I also I also know which ticks carry Lyme disease. So not all ticks carry right. Lyme disease. So yeah. I haven't actually seen. Um, I think I've only seen one or two deer ticks, and all of those ticks they've all been dog ticks, which don't carry Lyme disease. So right. um, yeah, I'm just really watchful. And if I were to find a um, deer tick, I would save it. Right. Yeah. So they can test it. Yeah. yeah. At the Natural Resources. Museum of History. Oh, yeah. Or, maybe there, too. Yeah. And where else? I think, I'm not sure. I think Natural Resources. Like, if you took it to a Natural Resources okay. office. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just a little piece of info for everybody out there. Yeah. <laughs> you can have the tick tested. Yes, exactly. <laughs> See if it has Lyme, yeah. carries Lyme disease. So, um, and so you immerse yourself into nature. Yeah. And do you, um, it sounds like you're pretty educated as far as nature goes, would that yeah, be accurate I, to say? Yeah, and I mean, in some ways, I am. I know, I know a lot of of different 
things that grow and live in the forest and things like that. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm really intuitive when it comes to nature as well. Like it's something that, I mean, from a very young age, I spent a lot of time alone in the woods. So like, I find that I'm really good at just like kind of sensing what's going on around me. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, and so a lot, so that would be self-taught. Yeah. And I don't even know. I guess self-taught in a way, not even purposely, but like when I was a kid, I really would just, uh, I was lucky to have a childhood where, you know, go outside and that was kind of it. So I spent a lot of years of my life just kind of like running through the forest and, um, and learning about it in that way. And I was always really obsessed with like the little things in the forest and like really noticing finer details. So, I mean, I don't know if it was it's been fine-tuned over the years for sure. I, I do believe like it's almost an innate thing in, in me. Um, and maybe if I didn't have the childhood that I had, I wouldn't know. And I guess actually it's innate, I think, in all of us. I think we all have that connection. We just have lost it over the years through, you know, modern world and, and everything that goes on. So mm-hmm. I think that, and I honestly, I think that just like, there's just a lot of fear. People are like, I'm going to go in the forest and I'm going to get bitten by something mm-hmm. and then I'm going to almost die. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I ex- actually, people ask me all the time, like, aren't you scared? Like, cause I go, I mean, I'm often, I'll just leave my house and not, you know, I live in the middle of nowhere. So I'll just go and uh, I'll be gone for two or three hours, just kind of not in, on a trail, not just kind of exploring. And uh, people ask me all the time, are you scared? And it's just like, no, like, I mean, I've gotten nervous. Um, like if my dog acts funny or something like that, yes. you know, and I know there are like, there are coyotes on our property. There are, I mean, coyotes are the only thing that really, I'm like, mm, I wouldn't want to meet a couple of them in the woods. But I mean, I know like where I have a bog in my backyard and I explore all the time. We've had photos of the coyotes there, like where I hang out. So, so the coyotes in Ontario are pretty small. Mm-hmm. Are they small here or are they bigger? I think the eastern coyote is possibly a little bit larger. It was. Okay. Um. I think they say that it was crossed like with wolves many, many yeah. years ago. Yeah. So I, I remember when I first moved here, and that was like eleven years ago. There was this. Uh, there was a bounty on coyotes. Mm-hmm. There still is. still is. Yeah, okay. they still have, it's $5 for oh. every coyote. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, and I mean, there's mixed reviews and if that helps the coyote population or not, because coyotes are really adaptable, so they will have bigger litters if they have, like, if oh. so it's just, I don't know if it's helped the population at all, but um, yeah, there is a $5 trapping bounty on coyotes yeah okay because that blew my mind I was just mm-hmm. like what seriously because because I grew up in Ontario small town no middle of nowhere and actually I spent a lot of time in the forest as well but um there was we were more concerned about bears coyotes just weren't really they're just so small and yeah. kind of like skittish yeah um we would have to like take care like make sure that our chickens and our cows were protected from them but that was it like, yeah so um it's interesting how even just uh couple provinces away things are different Mm -hmm. like um growing up I ticks were never really a thing we didn't really have as many spiders around I find that there are a lot more spiders out here Mm -hmm. so basically this is like the place where that all of my fears Mm -hmm. are here yeah (laughs) actually I do where all my fears are I just listened to a podcast with you talking about your fear of spiders and um like I love spiders What? I love them. You think they're cute? They (laughs) are adorable. Yes. Okay. And (laughs) and they're super good for you know they have not even that. I just love. I mean, I'm I'm a I really love pretty much anything that lives. Oh, that's so so (laughs) kind and sweet of you. Oh, it's something that I I can't relate to, but no, (laughs) I actually wonderful. I actually have like this guilt from when I was even a child that I like I accidentally got killed a spider. (laughs) You're squirming over there. I'm sweating. I am sweating. There's no spider. I don't see any spiders in here, thankfully. Uh, Okay, (laughs) but yeah, no, I had like I accidentally got one killed when I was younger, and I like years later still had guilt over it because I felt bad for the poor little thing. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. That's anyway, nice. oh. all living things, I, I try and I appreciate most living things. Yeah, you know, that's important. That is important. And and it's ugh, something that I should probably get on board with. Oh, one step at a time. Yeah. Okay. 
moving on I'm, from spiders. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. Forest therapy. Yes. So when did you start noticing that this is helpful for you? Um, I would say I consciously started to notice in the last few years, really. I didn't. I was using it as a therapy long before I even recognized that that's what I was doing. And it's only been in the last in the last couple of years that I've actually specifically chosen to go and like immerse myself. Like it's something I always did and and kind of pulled towards, but I didn't realize why or how it was really beneficial to me. So now it's something that I actually like kind of practice on a regular basis and I make sure that I do it more often so I don't get to the same place that I would have in years like years ago so okay so it's like kind of part of your mental health care routine oh for sure yeah and do you have anything else that helps take care of your mental health um yeah I mean photography it's kind of all LinkedIn like I'm a bit I love photography as well so I find nature photography I like completely lose myself there um and then also gardening um I find gardening really therapeutic so and any sort of like physical activity, yoga or hiking and stuff like that, I all like to, that's my way to kind of unwind. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I have a tool actually, not a tool, a tool belt that I kind of pull out of when I find um, I'm kind of overwhelmed. And I, so I sing, I dance, like I do different, like if I'm alone, not usually in front of a whole group of people, but. Um, <laughs> Because like, I totally just imagined. I pictured you tap dancing in front of a crowd. I don't really know why I went there, but. I could try that sometime. It looks fun. <laughs> it does look fun. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm just like, if I'm feeling like really overwhelmed and anxious and like I, you know, haven't had any time to kind of relax, I will like in the car, I'll sing. Um, I find I can really emote well in singing. So I sing a sad, like I'll sing a sad song or something like that. And it'll just like help me kind of release those feelings that I'm feeling. So, and same with dancing. I read somewhere, I think it was Tony Robbins who said like, um, when you're feeling a certain way, if you like move your body kind of crazy and like, it'll kind of jumpstart your brain into thinking like, even if you're not in the mood for dancing, if your body starts moving, then all of a sudden you'll start to think like, Oh, I am. So I'll do, you know, I'll dance just to kind of get myself going. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually I heard that there were studies that actually show, yeah, that if you take certain positions or whatever then that actually helps change your mindset yeah yeah so kind of and even like even how you talk about stuff too but like you know how we kind of phrase it or experience something or choose to do something it kind of affects how we actually see it so yes yeah and that I find so fascinating because a lot of the times I find that we can get ourselves like I mean speaking personally I've found myself in so many situations where I was the victim Mm -hmm. but it was more like I'm not the victim like I'm just spinning it that way to make it so that I can feel better about the fact that I'm not doing anything about it I and and that's not to say that there are like of course there are times when you are truly like you can't do anything about this but yeah but I, I think a lot more than at least I like to admit, and I think society likes to admit, we have more control over what is going on. Yeah, for sure. And even just like how you phrase something like, so like if I'm really angry, you know, and mad and instead and like I'm getting frustrated, I can just be like, OK, so I'm a little bit frustrated right now. Like and just ch- instead of saying I'm really angry, I'm a little bit frustrated. Right. And like, you know, it's just a little change of of um words but it does kind of like your brain's like oh because when you tell yourself you're really angry your brain's gonna be like oh yeah and we're gonna feed this anger like you know so if I'm I just try and find ways to kind of explain stuff to myself and say it that's a little less like it doesn't change what's happening it just changes how you see it so yeah yeah that's really brilliant mm-hmm. And so you do, uh, you go out into nature, you do gardening and you have these like kind of tools that you go to when you're feeling a certain way and you need to change that. Do you have uh, any, do you find that there are seasons that seasons affect your mental uh, well-being? Yeah, I would say for sure. Yeah, Um, like winter is the killer? Yeah, winter is, I mean, I love the winter. I really do. Um, And I'm, 
I love all this season. So I find I'm, I'll go through a stage like in the beginning of winter, like actually kind of before late fall, like before the, like when the time changes and stuff like that, that I'm starting to get a little down. But I find like this year it only lasted a couple of weeks and I kind of just pushed myself out of it. And like by making myself go outside and like I'll go outside minus 20 and I think it's beautiful out and I'll go out for a walk. And, and you know, so I'm getting better. I'd say in the past it probably affected me more than it does now. But um, yeah, I find weather too. Like if there's like, I'm pretty good at accepting whatever it is. Like that's kind of my motto. Like you can't complain about the weather. You can't, it's just what it is, right? So um but I'll catch myself being like, oh, <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, oh, I hate, I hate the rain. It's rained for five days and whatever. And then it's just like, no, you got to kind of just change that and enjoy it and go out and play in the rain. So, and do you actually, like, would you actually just go out in the rain? Oh yeah, for sure. I did yesterday. <laughs> okay. I, I got soaked. It was great. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and it's just, can you walk me through how you actually change your mind? Like, I, like, can you tell me, okay, you wake up, you have this certain thought and you're like, oh, I hate the rain or whatever. It's been raining forever. And then to be able to just change it so that you're like, no, I'm going to enjoy this and this is going to be a good day. And like, how do you do that? I go outside. So it's just, and you just force yourself and yes. you're not waiting for yourself to feel a certain way. No, I actually, well, yesterday morning, I wanted to go for a walk um, earlier and then it started to rain and I'm like, oh speeding myself up because I didn't go out before it started to rain and I could feel myself just sitting on the couch kind of you know blah and whatever and I'm like okay go out <laughs> like that's it right like you're feeling like crap go outside it doesn't matter so and then I just went and went on a little mini exploration and felt pretty good when I got home so and is that something like that must have been something that you've taught yourself over the years yeah I would say um I've learned that how big of a part that is in my life, like how important nature is to me. So, um, yeah, I've, I've learned now that like when I'm really feeling down, you know, that's what you got to do. You got to go outside. <laughs> you, know how, you know how to fix it. And so then you're just kind of like, OK, like, just do this. because yeah. It's going to fix it. And I mean, sometimes it doesn't fix it. But in the moment, like I find like when I'm, I feel the most whole and the most myself and the most happy when I am alone, really, with my dog in the woods. Um, what kind of dog? What's your dog's <laughs> name? Just like her name's Luna, and she's a uh, an Amstaff mix. She's a little mutt dogs. Yeah, I'm not familiar. American with Staffordshire. She's like a pet, part pit bull, part Amstaff, part German Shepherd, part Lab. She's kind of just a okay. So she's like a bigger dog. And yeah, she's a good chunk of a. She's a big baby though, so like she mm-hmm. is no protection in the woods at all. <laughs> she's not. She's actually abandoned me. What? Um, we were walking one time. This is like a year and a half ago, and a, and a a deer snorted. Like it must have been just in the woods right beside us, and she was gone. Like I mean, she she literally no. turned in the air like she jumped and was already in the opposite direction by the time like so like, gee thanks I guess, I guess danger's yeah. near so oh I gosh. can't rely on her if ever I were to stumble across anything but <laughs> so like that day I did get a little freaked out because even though like I knew it was a deer and then we continued on and then I heard something else and even though like I knew it was nothing like my adrenaline was super high and I was like on because Luna was also like very ready yeah. to like run so <laughs> to abandon you again yeah <laughs> so funny yeah. okay she's funny too because she'll like she's a big whiner so she cries all the time and and if I like I'll take my camera and and if I stop like she's fine if we're going but if I stop she'll just sit there and cry so I have to like, okay, I can take pictures for a couple minutes and then we have to go a little bit longer because she's like bored or cold or something. I don't know. That's so funny. We had dogs growing up, like mutts. We always had mutts. And yeah, the same thing would happen. We'd go into the forest and then, it, well, I guess they were kind of more like fascinated with what was going on, but they'd like 
leave us. Yeah. We'd just be like, oh, come on. <laughs> like, you're losing. You're missing the point. Yeah. Yeah. And now I have a, a little dog and he's like the most protective dog I've ever owned. Little dogs are like that. It's so funny yeah. <laughs> because he doesn't he doesn't bark at people when they come in or anything like that. But if he um, like, for example, there was this one time I was in bed. He he's wherever I am. And my daughter was coming. She had left her room and she was coming down the hallway. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear her. But Picard heard her and he like sat up and started like growling. And I was just like, what is happening? <laughs> Who's in my house? Because <laughs> <laughs> he was like ready to attack. Oh, that's it's funny. Like he'd be completely useless. But dogs you know, are great. He's got the spirit. Yeah. Dogs are also good. Like Luna is also really good for my mental health because if sometimes you just need a snuggle, she'll snuggle with me. Right. Aww. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. Animals are the best. Yeah. Yes, I agree. But. Have you, can I ask, have you been diagnosed with anything? No, I haven't been diagnosed with anything. Um, it wasn't even until like, and I say I have anxiety and like, I haven't been diagnosed, but I have yeah, anxiety I mean, attacks and yeah. you know, whatever. So, <laughs> so yeah. um, but yeah, it wasn't, I didn't even realize, like, I didn't even think I, you know, until I was, I had my first anxiety attack when I was about 10 and I didn't know until I was o- older than 20 that I even had anxiety. So like, I didn't understand didn't even know what was happening right so yes those things really sneak up on you and it feels different for every person so it's difficult to identify yeah what did it feel like for well for me like my I can remember my first anxiety attack that I remember and it was just I got really sick and my heart started to beat I had a test I think it was in grade five had a test that day and I don't know I was nervous about it and I just like got nauseous and sick and had to lay on the couch and then like I missed the bus and then I felt better. So I don't know. It was just like, you know, but before that, I and I, I've just learned that there's a term for this. I had when I was a kid, it's called breath holding spells. Um, oh. But I fainted. I fainted for the first time when I was 10 months old and I fainted pretty much every time I got hurt or injured or was like really upset f- until I was, honestly, it was I think I was eight or nine. I was trying to figure it out. I was asking my mom this this summer because I'm like, when my fainting stopped, my anxiety attacks kind of started. So, um, okay. So you went from one way of coping to another. Yeah. So I used to faint, like I would just faint all the time. Yeah. The first time you were 10 months old, 10 months old, I fainted. Yeah. I fell off the kitchen table (laughs) and, uh, yeah, I would faint and then, and, um, Sometimes I'd pass out and be asleep for a while or sometimes I'd wake back up. I can remember, and I can't remember every time I fainted, like, because I, I mean, I had to have fainted. I don't know. <laughs> I fainted every Monday. My mom went to bingo for, because imagine having separation anxiety with your kid who fainted every time she cried. <laughs> oh. That was me. Um, so I, like, I don't, and that was when I was like four or five. So I don't remember those. But I have a couple memories of like waking up on the playground from being injured, like um, on the playground and kind of waking up to like that. Um, but a lot of the times I don't remember, uh, the last time that my mom could remember, I had to have the Heimlich maneuver and was choking. And I don't remember that at all. Like, and I was eight or nine when that happened and I have no recollection of it. So wait, why were you choking? I was on a a candy. I was choking on a, um, a gobstopper or something like that. I don't know. And did you start choking on it because you started holding your breath? No, I choked. And then I got the Heimlich maneuver and then you, and then I fainted. fainted. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then once that stopped, you started having anxiety attacks. Yeah, yeah. And do they do they feel the same every time? No. No. I mean, I I don't have near as many anxiety attacks anymore. I've learned kind of how to like, you know, talk myself through them so they don't build up. Um, I had a really bad anxiety attack before Christmas, probably I don't know if it was the worst one I ever had, but it was really close. Um, I lost use of my hands and um, like was we were driving home in a storm on the old Guysboro Road and and uh, it was really terrible, like near death experience. So I had a pretty big anxiety attack then. And yeah, I couldn't I couldn't use my hands at all. They went completely numb. Um, That was the first time that had ever happened to me. So that was a little freaky. It took me quite a while to kind of bring myself out of my panic because I was just like, look at my hands because <laughs> they were be- clumped together. Like my fingers couldn't move. I couldn't like I would I would force them open or whatever. And they would just close, close back up again. I couldn't I picked up balls of snow, couldn't feel the snow in my hands. It was like. And yeah. did that happen once you had the near death experience? And the, yeah, was well, it, it was, so it was in the car you were driving. It was, and- we were driving and um, 
I'd say when the chip truck decided to pass me on the Algarsboro Road when I had no steering, um, I lost complete steering in my vehicle. So um, I came within about probably an inch and a half to hitting the the chip truck and I couldn't do anything about it. So that's when I kind of started to notice my fingers going tingling and um, I had trouble gripping the steering wheel. And then uh, finally we found a place to pull off and um, my partner could take over. But that's when it kind of just like hit me full force like because my survival (laughs) like I was just surviving basically like I was staying you know lucid for that and then as soon as I had stopped it was just like hit me full force I had yeah it took me a while to kind of I was still felt kind of off even when we got home like you know an hour later I was still felt yeah because it kind of it does lead like you feel it for a while yeah 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 yeah, it's not something that you just kind of have and it's over. No, it, and, and I mean, sometimes I'll, like, I'll start to feel like I'm going to get an anxiety attack a lot of time in the shower. I don't know why, if it's, like, the heat or something. And then I'll have to, like, kind of stop. When I was a kid, and before I even knew it was anxiety attacks, I used to always get out of the shower and I'd have to lay on the floor for about 10, 15 minutes until my breathing would, like normalize again. And then I could, like, find the strength to get up. But, yeah, so I find I don't get to that part anymore point anymore like usually it's just like I feel it coming and I'm just like oh this is this is an anxiety attack like you're fine like you know I kind of just talk myself through it I know that it's that I'm not gonna die like I'm just gonna like this is gonna be uncomfortable for a little bit and usually I can kind of just breathe through it and and then I'll be fine but with my on that drive I was just like pure panic and I was just like I remember my stepdaughter was in the back of the car and I'm like look at my hands (laughs) like like Uh, I just like I was panicked like why like I lost the use of my hands I've never had that happen before so yeah um, yeah it is interesting though that you actually managed to like that you did hold it together until you could safely pull over yeah I don't yeah like because that's not like that's not no <laughs> a thing that people it was usually pure survival do. Like, that's pure survival yeah well that's that's fascinating yeah. and like really cool that you were able to just kind of like okay we're gonna do this but when it's the right time yeah well and I honestly I don't know how much longer I would have been able to continue because I had started to feel um really nauseous as well and I thought it was like my window's broken on my driver's side too and I couldn't get it rolled down because I'm like if I need to throw up like I'm gonna have to throw up as I'm driving at the side of the window because like I was getting really sick so I don't know like it was starting to get like dangerous to drive because like it was really hard I mean it was already dangerous but for me like I found it harder and harder to focus and to kind of keep control so I don't know if I would have been able to make it you know, the whole, I don't think I would be able to do the whole way home. I would have, but you know, but yeah, but it was until you, but you having that space over. to pull over. I was just like, Oh yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a panic attack where it's made me lose feeling in my hands. I had a panic attack kind of when I was driving where I started to lose feeling in my hands. It was just my pinky fingers and my ring fingers. Mm-hmm. It was when I was 19, I was driving through Montreal for the first time oh, and yeah. it was during rush hour in the summer <laughs> And um, I got cut off like it was just my first encounter with that kind of driving. And so we were and it was our first time going through. It was like in the uh, what, 2006. So it was before we had we didn't have phones. We didn't have like a, we had a paper map. That was how we were getting yeah, through. No Montreal. Google Maps. There's no Google there. Maps. None yeah. of none of that. And so we're like, are we lost? It was Sean and I, we were driving back. Um, we were getting married and we, um, yeah, it was like, we didn't know if um, we were even in the right spot and going through Montreal is so confusing because yeah. you have to always like exit here, exit there. It's not just a straightforward highway. There is one now, but <laughs> anyway, and I got, I was, I had to change lanes. I got cut off and it was just like really freaky and then I felt the tingling mm-hmm. and I started to kind of lose a little bit of feeling in my pinkies, but it didn't get, it didn't go beyond that. Yeah. It was, I was able like it. So thankfully I didn't have to like pull over or anything. <laughs> I think that would have made it worse. Yeah. Yeah. It, it almost <laughs> in, in Montreal. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but, um, and it was during a snowstorm. Yeah. And my tires, uh, I thought my tires were better than they were, I guess. So it was a really, it was a really <laughs> scary drive. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, do you find that um, as you get older, kind of driving in that weather and stuff, because you know what, like you start becoming more aware of the fact that these things happen, they can happen and they can happen to me. Yeah. Like you lose that like immortal feeling. Yes, exactly. No. So you get like more nervous. I'm more cautious, I think. Um, yeah. And I also, I'm really lucky I work at a job, like I work in the school system a lot. So like if there's no school for a snow day, I don't have to drive. And I've been at this job for a few years now. So I find with that, like where I'm like, you know, I used to work waitressing and have to open up a restaurant at six o'clock in the oh, morning and gosh. I would drive in the before before the plows would even come out I would leave right. at oh. like four o'clock in the morning to get into work and um yeah I find I don't feel that um devotion to my job compared to <laughs> you know what I mean like right I I didn't go in one day last week actually because there was nothing nothing pressing that I had to do at the office there was no program so I'm just like I'm not like I don't need to drive. There's yeah. blowing snow, white oak conditions, and I'm like, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like I'm not yeah. gonna drive in that. Why yeah. would I? So. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. It, when you, yeah, you start getting a little bit smarter. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more cautious, but smarter about it. Yeah, definitely a little more cautious. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was your most recent anxiety attack. Yeah, and. Um, so you said that you have panic attacks and anxiety attacks? No, anxiety attacks. Yeah. Anxiety attacks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually just recently learned that there was a difference. Yeah. I don't even know if I know what the difference is. Maybe there are panic attacks. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I'm not, I, I'm not, um, really informed actually on that. If anyone listening has like, <laughs> I'm sure there's somebody listening who's like, this is the difference. My understanding is that an anxiety attack usually takes longer. Okay. Um, but, and I think that a panic attack is usually more intense. Okay. And, but see, I, I might be completely wrong on that. So but that's been my understanding. Um, cause I've had, I believe I've had both mm-hmm. because one was, uh, an anxiety attack and it was like, yeah, I'm trying to like control my breathing. And like, for some reason I just can't really think properly and, it's like you're just like wow I don't really have control right now but I like I feel like I should have control but I like I don't have control and like you start to kind of feel nauseous and your heart's like just like really beating and stuff and that was like that was what I understood to be an anxiety attack Mm -hmm. and then I've had a couple panic attacks where it's like my breathing just started going really like out of control like I was breathing like I was hyperventilating Mm -hmm. And it was to a point where I was, like, going to faint, but mm-hmm. I was able to, like, I had to, like, grip something or someone and, like, calm myself down. Yeah. Or get outside and, like, kind of just, like, lay on the ground yes. and just be, like, okay, and, like, kind yeah. of, like, calm yeah. it down. Yeah. Um, and that was what I understood to be a panic attack. Okay. Yeah, but so maybe I, I've had both, too. I don't know. Because I've had different severities, right? Like, there's ones that, you know, completely have knocked me out for a while you know and then there's some that are just kind of I can get through quicker and yeah I wonder if that is like if it's varying degrees of the same thing or if it actually is two different things I'll have to google that later yeah we can google that later (laughs) actually yeah that would be a good idea yeah and so um and I'm sorry may I ask how old you are now yes I'm 30 okay you look younger than 30 you must get that all the time um, not too often, but thank you very much. I appreciate it. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, and so it's been something that you became aware of, like, and starting to manage from what age? Well, I would say I kind of learned, kind of associated myself with anxiety and, and even depression when I was, I did a human services program through NSCC when I was 21, I think. And so I took psychology classes and developmental psychology. And that's kind of when I really learned what anxiety even was like it's not something that was ever talked about at home or you know like we didn't learn about it I remember honestly one of the biggest severe anxiety attacks I ever had when I was 16 I kind of told (laughs) I woke my mom up it was 10 o'clock at night and she was just like and I'm like I can't breathe I think I'm dying like I'm having a heart attack and she's like go back to bed (laughs) (laughs) okay mom thanks (laughs) and so like you know and I don't begrudge that at all because she didn't even know at the time. Like, you know, yeah, it's, she just thought I was. And I think, you know, she had her own. She probably had her own anxiety attacks in her back in her day, too. So for her, you know. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. 
yeah, I, I remember just like laying in bed for six, seven hours kind of thinking I was dying and then I felt better and passed out. And, and that was kind of like when I, I didn't, I didn't even think about it then because I didn't know it was anxiety. But when I looked back on it, I was just like, okay, so that was really severe anxiety attack. And I came through it like, and in a way it kind of did teach me that like, you're not dying. You know what I mean? Like if I had got rushed to the hospital or whatever, like, would it have made it worse? I don't know. Like, uh, there's no way to say, but like, I learned like, oh, it passed, like it will pass. So in a way it was kind of like good that that's what happened. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it was probably in college that I started to be like, oh, Oh, that's what that is. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was really depressed in high school, like really, really terribly depressed and no, no one even really knew about it. So like kind of just, you know, how they kind of tied together as well. So yeah. Yes, they come hand in hand usually. Yeah. And what like was there a reason that you could be like, oh, I'm depressed because of this? Or was it something that you're like, I don't even know why I feel this way? I don't know. I've done a lot of like reflection on I had a lot of like self-worth issues and like value issues about myself. Like I that, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how they all relate to each other. Like I do believe that like, you know. Yeah, I had a lot of belief that I wasn't like good enough or that I wasn't important or whatever. And and sometimes I found like they kind of it's like a cycle almost because you're like, I'm not good enough. And then you tell yourself like you would I would really tell myself all kinds of horrible things about myself. Mm -hmm. And then it would just like kind of snowball. And then I would be like really, really depressed and sad. And like, you know, so it took. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know which led to which. um, But yeah. What does it feel like to be depressed? Um, For me, like, it's, you know, just wanting to do nothing and be tired and a kind of, like, sabotage, you know? Like, for me, it's like, I'll even sometimes I'll catch myself saying something to myself and then being like, no. Like, it's just, it's really, I kind of bring up everything wrong that I've ever done when I'm depressed, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, this is why, like, you know, you never did this right. You never did this right. You're, you know, nobody likes this and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like me really running myself down. Um, Like, and that's kind of to the point where I just don't want to be around people. I don't want to like try. I don't want to do anything. And I mean, I haven't been to that place in a long time. Like definitely when I was in probably like 15 16, 17, like that was a really, a really challenging time for me. So, um, and now I'm really good at changing the dialect. So when I say you're stupid <laughs> to yeah. myself yeah. and I'm like, no, you're not, <laughs> you're not stupid. So, like, okay. so. <laughs> so you can catch yourself and correct yeah. it. Yeah. I've gotten a lot better at like just realizing that. What made you realize that? that- Reflection. Self work, working on yourself, right? Reflecting on who you are and, and, and I, you know, thinking back and going over stuff that happened when I was a kid and just like really diving deep into really uncomfortable places. Facing that fear. Yeah. 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 There's like, um, um, the monster that lies within you that you need to face. Everybody has that. What, who is it that talks about that? I can't remember, but it was, I believe it was a podcast that I was listening to. Mm -hmm. And the, whoever was talking was saying that, yeah, there's like this darkness. There's this monster that is within every one of us and that we have to face that in order to really start to see ourselves honestly and in a real way. And then, and then start to fix whatever's going on. Definitely. Yeah. And even like just for me, I'm like finding, you know, I have habits and and beliefs that have been in place for a really long time. Things that were taught to me that weren't my choice. Right. Just, you know, we're a product of our environment, our family, our community. Yeah. And um, and just being like, oh, like, you know, why do I have trouble opening up? being vulnerable you know like what happened so just like I've had a couple of realizations over the last year that I'm like oh like you know maybe I felt that way because this happened when I was a kid and like maybe that you know so yeah just kind of working through those memories and kind of letting them go it's I mean it's a lot easier said than done yeah but um yeah I find I get to a point where I'm like I can't handle any more reflection and I can't handle because it's so heavy and it's so hard sometimes yeah um but then yeah just kind of you know recouping a little bit and then diving back in to see what else you can learn about yourself 
And what made, was there a, something that prompted you deciding that that was what you were going to do? Or have you always just kind of been a, a reflective person? Oh, no, definitely not a reflective person by nature. Okay. Um, so I started, I guess, when I did my human services course, um, I had a really great teacher um, and he, we did a lot of reflective journaling. And it's funny, actually, recently I went and looked at my reflective journals that I made. And so that was like almost 10 years ago. And I'm like, I wasn't even reflective. Like I was just still like, ignore, like I still wasn't digging in. Right. I was just kind of surfacing and like, you know, talking about stuff that wasn't really honest or truthful to like what I was really feeling inside so um do you find that you're better with self-reflecting through writing or talking with other people um hmm I would say writing yeah um because I found like I'm an oversharer and sometimes I've learned that like maybe that is not so much from a place of reflection and wanting to learn but out of a place of like wanting something from the person you know what I mean like if I'm like oh. kind of like I, I will overshare I will tell you like I'm really honest and open and I talk a lot and then I also like, like well maybe that's like in a sense I'm trying to get something from that person like some sort of validation or some sort of like you know agreement or whatever and um yeah so I find I can be more honest in my writing like where I don't have to you know, I'm not trying to fit any agenda or anything like that. I can just kind of. Yeah, because you you don't need to get anything from yourself. Yeah, yeah. So, and I'll do like, I have some po like, um, poetry that I'll work on. Like, I find, yeah. I used to, as a kid, I used to write, only write poetry when I was depressed. Like, that was like the only poetry I had. And um, now I find like I write a lot more like nature poems. So it's not not sad or anything like that. But I found a poem that I wrote when I was like. 16 and I was like oh my goodness like that girl needed someone to tell her she <laughs> you know what I mean like it was dark and uh I don't even remember writing it I just found it I was like wow so I had a really terrible view at that time yeah <laughs> but it's honest right at the time right yeah so yeah what made you start to decide that you were going to value yourself um I don't know I guess yeah just other people's stories I've been really inspired by by other people who you know overcome their own stuff so different books and podcasts and things like that that I listen to where I'm just like oh yeah so you know we're all worthy <laughs> yeah yeah was there any kind of line or like discovery that you made like specifically made where you're like oh that's why that's why I can be this way or that's why I can be comfortable with myself or yeah, treat I would, myself better. I would say, I don't know if there's any specific line. I know that talking about worthiness was a big trigger for me because, like, I really, I didn't even realize that I, I've been telling myself lies basically most of my life. Like, I've been, you know, I thought like I didn't care what anyone thought. I thought that you know, I was sure of myself and whatever. And then I just started to be like, oh my gosh, like it's all been like it's all been fake really it's all been a lie that I've kind of been telling so just realizing that I've been yeah kind of living my life in a way that wasn't fully authentic and wasn't like I changed myself a lot for other people so mm -hmm. um just kind of acknowledging that and then from there it was like well I can't do that anymore so <laughs> yeah it's interesting how once you discover that there's something like a part of you that's not true to you. Mm -hmm. Like once you discover that, you're just kind of like, like I can't do that anymore. Yep. And I I like that you said that it was when you started uh, being more authentic mm -hmm. because I've been finding just with just with my own self reflection and through conversations that I've had with other people, where once you start to just be real with yourself then all of a sudden, like a lot of things really do come into focus and or you start to become more OK with the things that aren't in focus because mm -hmm. you're just like, I just genuinely don't have that figured out yet. Yeah. But you can be honest because you're like, well, yeah, but I also didn't have these other things figured out. And once I started actually just being honest with myself. Yeah. And, and being like, you know, 
easy on yourself as well. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's okay that you didn't know. Yes. You know, so. And I find that being, again, being authentic, I think being easy on yourself kind of comes more easily as you become more authentic because yep. you can't, because you start not being able to put these unrealistic expectations on yourself either. Yeah. Because yeah. you're just like, yeah, but like I didn't, like there wasn't anything I could have done or I just didn't know. And now I do. Yeah. And, and I mean, you can't hold on, you can't hold on to the past, right? Or the future, right? Like I try, what I try and do in my life, honestly, is like, I try and live as presently as I can. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where, like, so for me, historically, I would worry about things that I did or said. Sometimes, uh, honestly, sometimes I'll bring a thought up that's something that I said three years ago, right? Like, and be like, oh, I was so stupid. I wonder if they still think about that <laughs> inconsequential moment. Yes, like, you yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. it's just like, why are you doing this? So I'm trying to like, just, you know, accept what has happened, embrace whatever may come mm-hmm. and just, you know, live. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like kind of start just starting to just like accept yourself yeah. and you're just like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm doing the be-. like, and I think it's like genuinely knowing I am doing the best that I know how. Yes. I'm moving for, and like for me, I would like, I would go through stages where I just like kind of not even think about anything or acknowledge anything about myself or my past or who I am or whatever. And it just like hide. Right. And not, yeah. you know, yeah. not want to go there cause it's hard. Yeah. Um, and even, yeah, so just giving myself grace, giving myself time when I need it, mm. like stepping away when I need to step away, yes. digging in when I feel energized and ready to go, and just like kind of um, understanding that I'm human, right? Like we're all human. Everybody's doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as long as I'm, I try and work towards something always, like I'm trying to work, but it's it can change and I can just like, you know, accept when something happens or you know if things plants don't go the way you want them to go or whatever like you can just be like okay so yeah this is what it is (laughs) yeah yeah and I find that another thing is um that I've been thinking about recently and I think it was because of a quote that I saw on Instagram on someone's story which I can't remember the quote exactly but essentially um the idea is just basically it's when you look back on the past and you you are embarrassed over how you were that's actually an indication of growth mm-hmm. because like now I'm, uh, Hey, I've learned and I know better now. And I know well enough to be a little, a little embarrassed about that behavior, but it's just because I've grown. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's when you start looking back and you're, <laughs> you're not feeling embarrassed about anything and you're like, wow, I was really awesome then. It's kind of like, okay, like maybe you were, but like, how are you doing now? Yeah. Like, you know, like it's, you can, you can see the good and the fact that yeah, definitely. you're feeling embarrassed about stuff from the past and change, right? Like, you know, realizing how much you've changed. Yes. Like how you're not that person anymore. And how encouraging is that? Yeah. And, and yeah, the chances that other people remember any of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I know that there were times in my life where even somebody else said something that I was just like, oh my gosh, that was awful. But I couldn't name you a specific time now. No, exactly. So even even if I did say something that was like just so stupid and mindless and and mean, chances are people aren't going to remember that anyway. Yeah, most of the chance. (laughs) Most, most, yeah, there's a good chance that they're not going to remember it. And I can just use that as yeah. another way of being like, see, I grow. I grew. <laughs> I know better. Yeah, exactly. No, I. It's it's funny how it all works out like that. But I used to think that I didn't care what people thought. Actually, so I had a realization. It was last year. Like I've gone. Like I've been telling myself my whole life, I don't care what people think. I've always been like a. Um, you know, anti, not necessarily anti-establishment, but in a lot of ways, I've always kind of been like an oatlier in, in society. Like I'm like people, everyone does that. I'm not going to, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. And, yes. and in a lot of ways that, um, held me back too, because I would just be like, well, I'm not going to do it because everyone else is doing it. But you know, you can miss out can, in that sense as oh, well. Oh yeah, I feel you. Yeah. But then realizing like, oh, it was, it was just like last year, last spring, I think. And I'm like, I was doing something and then I almost, I was walking, I was going for a walk and I wanted to do another loop. And this is crazy. Like when I think back of like how crazy, how crazy this thought was, I stopped because I work 
we have one square in my community, one little square that goes around the village. Okay. And uh, so I walk around it on my lunch break and I'm like, oh, I want to, I feel like I'm going to walk a second loop. And I stopped and I'm like, no, you can't because everyone's on their lunch break and they're going to see that you're just out walking around like a second time, which is ridiculous because nobody cares what I'm doing or where I'm walking or whatever. But the thought that like it popped in my head that I wouldn't do it because I was worried someone might see me go like again. I don't understand. I don't even understand how that was an issue. But I stopped and I'm like, what? Like, how can I let like I don't even understand where it came from. So I started to realize like, oh, like I just started to pay attention and like I would do something. And I'm like, I was doing it because I was worried about what people would think. So a lot of my decisions were based on other people's opinions. Yes. And I didn't like I really had no idea that that's how I was living. I had no not and then all of a sudden I'm like and now I'm like you know I'm about to make a decision and I'm like oh wait a second. Like what do I want? Oh. <laughs> like who is this for? Is this for me or is this for somebody else? Yeah. You know, Ooh, so Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. The stopping and being like, "Okay, wait a minute. Who am I doing this for?" Yeah. Yeah, why do I care about some random, like, and sometimes there'd be people that, you know, I don't even, I would worry about people I don't even know. Like, I would worry about their opinion of me. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, why? Why do I, why has so much of my life been based around what other people think? I just yeah. Don't. So now I'm trying. I mean, it's still really hard. It is. Some days. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Um, but I'm getting better at kind of just like, you know. Yeah. One of a thing that I an indicator that I've discovered that I have um, is when I start saying to myself, I should be I should do or I should I'm Mm -hmm. using should a lot. Then all of a sudden I'm like, what? That's me thinking about what other people would be thinking about me. That's me caring about what other people think should should is always a great indicator that you're probably not going down the right thought path. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I've started to become very suspicious of that word. <laughs> well, it's good to be, though, because then it, it makes you kind of reflect on on your choices and what you're doing. Because, yeah, I mean, it's really common. A lot of people just kind of do what they should. <laughs> yeah. What you should do. Yeah. Yeah. And usually when I'm at, like when I'm having like a little breakdown and I'm usually ranting to Sean, I'll be I'll before I even realize it, like I'll I'll be saying should like a lot about different things like our house should be cleaner our kids should be better behaved we should be eating better we should blah 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 and then all of a sudden it's just like oh what am I doing <laughs> yeah, too much now yeah it's too much yeah you're putting all this pressure on you that doesn't have to be there and and what good is that what good is that kind of pressure gonna do I'm in that when you're saying should you're basically saying in your head that you've already failed yeah that's why you should be doing that because you're not and you're failing yeah exactly so it's not you're not helping yourself I've realized I'm starting to realize that I'm really not helping myself when I'm doing that yeah no just just look at what just look at what I can do thanks for taking the time to come on here thanks for sharing your insight I really loved learning about uh, your relationship with nature and how that really helps I think that and I think that it's um definitely downplayed we do need to get outside more Um, one thing that my, uh, mom always tells me when, um, they went, so my dad, uh, was diagnosed with schizophrenia bipolar and they would go to a psychiatrist a lot. And the psychiatrist would always be like, um, you need to make sure that you get outside every day. Like, because even like, even back then, I think that was in the Mm eighties, uh, they recognized the benefits of just going outside. Yeah. It's so helpful for your mental health. Uh, we took the family on a hike um, right before I got sick. And it was so just like, we were kind of like feeling a little like the blues. You know, it was after Christmas. Everything was just kind of like, uh, you know, a little yeah. sad. And then we went on this hike. And it was like a reset for all of us. Because like we went out to this like little waterfall. And we just kind of sat around and looked at it and laughed and threw things into the stream. You know, like little sticks and stuff. Yeah. And it was just such a, like, yeah, it's like you feel that reset. We take the kids on, like, little walks every day because it's so important to just get outside and Definitely. reset. Definitely. Um, yeah. And so. when you think about it, too, like, we're animals, right? 
And people forget. I had a, I said this to one of my kids at a, at a program that I run, and he's like, "What? <laughs> he's like, We're animals?" And like, I know we've been civilized for a long time, but we yeah. are still, you know, we still have that base connection to our earth, like every other creature does, right? So, you know, to not have the time or the the space to kind of like feel that and connect with that part of your innate self nature is innately a part of who we are so to not have a connection with that like I really do believe that it 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 affects everyone who doesn't have that experience or have the ability to have that experience so Mm. yeah you know what yeah absolutely I've been feeling it just over the last oh my gosh actually now it's all coming together um because I was getting so bummed out uh, cause I've been just so sick and of course, yeah, just being sick and not being able to do whatever, um, would of course play into it. But another thing was like, I wasn't leaving the house. I was just inside. Yeah. Cause being outside in the cold too would make me cough more and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, of course that makes sense. I was, cause I, yeah, even we finally started going back out into the hot tub and just talking and you're just outside and you're just breathing mm-hmm. the air and everything. And I was just like, Oh yeah, this feels so much better. Yeah. Definitely. And of course, like that makes sense. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, everybody who's listening, thank you for taking the time to listen with uh, in with Brett and my conversation. And just know that wherever you are, we're just sitting here loving you. So have an excellent day, morning, evening, afternoon, night, and we'll be talking to you soon. Bye. Bye, guys.